0: March 7, 2019, it's the Watt from Pedro Show.
1: You could say hi, but don't. Once in the bed, you'll forget how he got there. You could say hi.
0: Pedro show, uh, the rain finally stopped. We've we've had a very wet SoCal last, coming on three months now, uh, and you know we need the water and everything, but maybe not after everything got burned up because so of mudslides and shit. So please, uh, Mother Nature, a little calmer. Anyway, the sun's out. I'm not with brother Matt. Uh, I, we'll see him Saturday uh, with uh, Willie Nelson's granddaughter. She wants to come to Pedro talk to us. But I'm not totally man alone because of the, those genius engineers in uh, Estonia who came up with the Skype software. I got Cole Guerrero with me in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Hey, welcome aboard, Cole. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Yeah, and in fact, uh, we started the, the – the, he wanted, He was curious about which John Coltrane song to pick for him because he's a fellow uh, North Carolina guy. In fact, not too far from he uh, Cole was telling me maybe 70 miles. It was uh, High Point, and not too far from there is where he was born in Hamlet.
2: Yeah, just 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 a bit west of where I am in Durham. Exactly.
0: Right, right. So, uh, yeah, you're in uh, music country. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, uh, for 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 somebody like me, uh, a big inspiration. Uh, and we played uh, the, the the first part of your, I guess, opera. I I I I read it was called a song cycle, but. I guess there's different names for these kind of things where it's a big song made out of lots of parts right yeah and this is called Charmer and the whole piece is I am casting or or, or maybe that's the proj uh, uh, a name and then because you have a couple other albums right under this name yeah
2: you've uh you deduced right I mean I am casting although that was initially the project name I think that's just the name. For me, kind of going forward, actually, and so Carnival Barkers is the name of the album or cycle or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The previous thing, the, the only, yeah, you know, the legit kind of uh, thing from years ago was under my name, Colguera. Um, that was called Scarves and Knives, and I had a smaller thing or two before that. They were just kind of small potato regional kind of get gigs with it sort of things. Um, so yeah, I am casting is is the artist name moving forward. <laughs>
0: Well, let's go way back. Let's. Uh, what's your earliest musical recollection? Well,
2: it, it, I got I got two streams here. One is the old, you know, piano lesson stuff, which started really young, five, six years old. But probably the the most concrete memory jumps out at me is um, sitting at my kitchen table uh, with liner notes from Styx's Cornerstone, I think that was the name of the album. Uh, this would have been late seventies, so I was probably, I don't know, five, five or six years old. And um, my mom was, my mom and dad, my mom in particular was really into listening to music. So I, before I have real memories, was pretty exposed to stuff that she was into when she was, I think, a teen, really, uh, and sh- she was still in her mid twenties at this point. So it was a lot of, you know, she was in the Beatles, she was in a John Denver Simon and Garfunkel I mean all that stuff Was playing But I remember the first Time I asked I think I asked her To get this This album Was Styx's Cornerstone I don't know why I had a song <laughs> So different Than the stuff From this era That I listen to Now <laughs> Do
0: you remember The song Babe I'm Leaving uh, yeah, uh, I had a uh, landlord He's a sweet guy His name is Vince And his favorite Three bands was uh, Black Sabbath Bruce Springsteen uh-huh. And Styx <laughs> Sticks. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> so, so, terrific. He so, said they I were actually, the most. They they were the band that was most enlightened to the LSD thing because they had a stage set up where the it opened up like a flower and each dude had a petal. <laughs> <laughs> but I no, love no. always remember. Well, um, you know, that's why there's more than one band, right? Uh, you yeah. you're talking about piano lessons, so maybe there's there's a piano in the living room. Yeah, although,
2: you know, thinking back, they didn't play. Uh, they actually got it, uh, you know, secondhand specifically. I was the oldest of a few kids, three kids, and they got it so that we could learn piano. So, again, my mom in particular, I, I believe it was hers, the driving force, um, uh, you know, got this piano and uh, and we started, started taking lessons. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the story of the stuff I was learning to play classical music when I don't really have, I felt like it was sort of chore-like for a long stretch well, I
0: was going to ask you, I've had lots of people on the show, and some of these uh, piano learning experiences almost like chased away from music forever. But some some people had really good experience. I think it depended on, either on the teacher or on the material or maybe a combination of both. Well, it's, you know, in that balance, too. I think the other that,
2: you know, when I when I mentioned that the first actual memory that jumped up to me was not playing, not actively doing it, but it was listening. I mean, I again, my memory for this is fuzzy and secondhand, but I'm told that, you know, as I'm in preschool, even when they have breaks for, you know, free time, I'm going over to the corner turntable by myself. With with teachers trying to coax me out of the corner because I'm putting on 45s and 33s, you know, Um, and and so and and so I'm not surprised that the memory it comes up for me is sitting, you know, at the table listening to these late 70s, early 80s albums, you know. Um, So I think it was probably that it was that I was really, I I loved listening to music, and obviously, you know, my taste changed uh, as when I got to high school and look back that era, late seventies, early eighties is really enormous, enormously mid seventies, to early eighties, probably super influential for my songwriting, I imagine. But none of the, as far as I can tell, none of this stuff I was listening to at that time as, you know, an infant through, you know, early elementary school or something. Um, But yeah, I, I think I was super into music, but not because I was playing piano. I mean, I look back now and I'm, thrilled that I was somehow cajoled to stay at it. I, I should ask my mom how she did it. Uh <laughs> but 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 I, I hung in there and eventually I did you know I liked it and I had to do the you know the recital thing. I remember having a back and forth with a teacher at one point because I, I really wanted to play ragtime and some jazz and I remember it was a big deal that they allowed me as like middle school era. Everyone was playing their classical pieces and I got up and played something that I was supposed to play, and then got to play some Joplin in addition, you know? Uh, so, and then I still ended up, I think, bailing midway through high school and then picking up guitar and whatever. But again, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have those that
0: early exposure to being involved in making music. Sure. You know, a lot of cats, man, I didn't want to play uh, piano, you know? I wanted to play rock and roll. I wanted to get a guitar. But if you think about it, actually the first Rock and roll is piano. It's not guitar. Guitar came yeah. later. <laughs> you right. know, Little Richard. And it goes back to R&B and uh, Boogie Woogie, and like you said, Mr. Joplin. Interesting. A good left-hand uh, bass lines with uh, Mr. Joplin. I'm glad uh, they relented and let you do that. Um, but there's other skills, too. Yeah, I'll too. pretend, that prob- I'll pretend that I can still do all that. You probably <laughs> had to learn to read, right? Yeah, I...
2: Um... It learn you learn it, but you forget it. I feel like just as quicker, quicker. I mean, by the time I was in my twenties, probably yeah. by the time I really got around to songwriting, if you put sheet music in front of me, um, I could stumble through it, but I, I sure I I can't do much with it uh, in the way that you would expect. I think. I, I think the aphorism is,
0: "Don't use it, lose it." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we're gonna play yeah. flood.
1: their home Something's wrong But you only know what they look like You only know what they look like So what's the harm in selling time To those whose time has come Shame the victims Move some papers Seize the assets of the traitors. Here comes the flood. To hide the holes you dug. Come out. There's no barbed wire fence. Slow down. Your knees are spent. Can't point to anything.
3: Out of it Out of it
4: All right.
5: many times before I have tried to lay it down but the world that I know I cannot find One too many days have found their way inside They will leave, never to rise again It will take a lot of Out of time. Yeah. Up your hand you can flush it and then you come on down for the Your mind, all the things inside, as you die, as you melt before my eyes.
0: Show. Yeah, we started that chunk of music off with Flood from uh, Colgara's um, new album uh, under th- I Am casting Progeny. That is such a trippy uh, y- Yeah, usually verbs aren't in names. Huh? Usually uh, yeah, I just wanted to make everybody stumble. Uh, as no, as it's, as great, it's great, it's great. Then, uh, <laughs> brand new from Seb uh, Radix in Lyon, France. Uh, Priscale de uh, Terrible French, sorry. And Coco, <laughs> this, this is under your own name. This is what you were talking about a little earlier, about uh, before you uh, came up with the Iron Cast, and that's uh, something called Downtown. Right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Thought, I'm sorry, I thought it was going to hit. Um, yeah, yeah, Downtown... Um, Actually that was that was written not long a couple maybe uh it's the closing tune on an album called Scarves and Knives and sort right. of my very uh brief take on sort of like a moment around 911 actually sort of this idea of you know um you know just someone living down there and and kind of having just an anecdotal sort of experience in the in the in the time after 9/11 Shit, so it's just I, a snippet that represents that
0: i had to start a tour on that day <laughs> oh god yeah. up. and the first gig was the city in san francisco and so it ended up doing it was canceled i did it at the end of the tour so so scars and knives is more but it was more of a collection of songs it wasn't really an opera right
2: yeah it was more straightforward i mean there was some there was some sort of you know, links between a few of the tunes, but yeah. not like the new one. I mean, Carnival Barker's definitely has, like, thematic ties throughout. And oh, I yeah, yeah. Pretty early, yeah, and early in the process, I knew that, that it was going to be that way. Sort of one or two tunes in, I, I decided that's what I wanted to go after. So, yeah, different for sure.
0: Yeah, great. We had Blurt, we had Ted Milton on last month. Incredible. He's, like, middle 70s, is still wailing on it. man. Fresh Meat for Martyrs. Lauren, uh, new record of Rarities, Undead Dogs, Mini Beasts. That's Peter from uh, uh, Mission of Burma. with And Too Many Docile Minds from, ah, Eugene Chadbourne. He's uh, Greensboro. Professor Huge with Sun Watchers. They did an album where they covered a lot of Minuteman records. He was in in SoCal, too, in December, but I was in Denver doing some gigs. It's my second, man, fuck. Remember, he had this band called Psychobilly. He played a uh, rake, electric rake. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the third part of your Carnival Barker piece, uh, Winda. So, uh, in school, I want to ask you about school. Did you, were you in the choir or the marching band or the, you know, any any kind of school uh, program, music program? Uh, I think there was a year there where I played.
2: Clarinet, I think was the the thing they handed to me. I feel like everyone was just handed something. I don't know that I picked the clarinet.
0: Um, I got I handed that. the clarinet. Yeah, I, I love it now. In ju- first year of junior joy. high, for 10 weeks, his name was Mr. Luna. After 10 weeks, you know, it was one of those elective things, right? He said, Mr. Watt, you try hard. I must have said, said this a thousand times on the show. <laughs> it, like, scarred me for life. <laughs> Mr. Watt, you try hard, but... Why don't you stop wasting your time and my time and then he looks at the class our time? <laughs> so I didn't yeah, I didn't go for the next ten weeks. <laughs> oh my I never I'm went sure back that was the speech. Then,
2: but I never Yeah, I'm sure to he delivered that thing. speech at least twice a year. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I could I, I couldn't get past the read. The um the, the feeling of the I remember oh. the feeling of the of the wood on my teeth. I yeah. just couldn't I don't know what it was. I couldn't get past it. So, but um, I did a lot of, uh, I kind of, the more organized stuff I did was largely, I was doing a lot, lot of uh, theater growing up. So I was performing, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, as a musician. Uh, well, I take that back. I had my my really, um, really uh, potent middle school band playing the dances. That was exciting. So, so well, I, was I did some performing,
0: but the, uh, I was going to ask you: Did you have the thing with like the garage band or the the basement band, the bedroom band with friends after school, that kind of thing? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. So middle school and the the culmination of our efforts was, in fact, the middle school dance. Okay. Uh, uh, well, the geez, other it, guys, it, you it, know, the other
0: guys say the the talent show. In fact, I I was part of what, what, one time a talent show at at high school.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, this was. I remember the band name, we, we somehow lasted a couple of years, was Suspended Animation. It was really bad. <laughs> we played horrible, horrible covers of, you know, 80s tunes that wouldn't be 80s tunes you'd reference now as, you know, important or influential. Uh, and then I think maybe in a, a couple early attempts at writing a tune that I, that I took, oh, Swing really? and Miss.
0: So you started learning how to write real young. That's good.
2: We, I, yeah, I, I did a couple of tunes. They were really, um, and then I kind of abandoned that. I think I, I did a couple tunes here and there and then didn't really get into songwriting seriously until, I mean, it was like my mid-20s when I got into it for real.
0: But what about bands? You still played in bands, you just didn't write stuff?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, so so uh, middle school I was playing high, uh, the whole time and then high school some, and then... Um, actually I stopped playing in bands halfway through high school. Again, I was doing more of the, um, uh, theater thing. So I was taking that pretty seriously for a while. I was still playing. Like I picked up guitar end of high school. Uh, I ended up, I was the guy shortly after school. I was the guy, uh, in the corner of a bar playing covers, you know, paying for my rent by playing for three hours a night, five days a week, uh, with my acoustic guitar. That, that was that was a bunch of my early twenties.
0: Who was um, a big I, uh, that, who, who was a big influence on you? Because the, the new records, a lot of piano. I don't hear a lot of guitar. Yeah, I went in a different
2: direction. So, um, yeah, I know. while well, I referenced that late seventies or mid mid to late seventies, early eighties stuff. I know that that um, in high school and then in college, I was super into like late seventies Brit pop. And then the kind of new wave post-punk movement, um, you know, in the U.S. And so probably the bands I listened to most when I was in high school was kind of looking back and pulling up old XTC uh, and Squeeze and that kind of Elvis Costello, Graham Parker stuff. In fact, I was lucky enough to have um, Graham Parker's drummer, Steve Goulding, play. He was he's the drummer on Scarves and Knives. Nice. Um, and uh, so yeah that, that that stuff was hugely influential I think um, some people have been referencing you know with this new record like Peter early Peter Gabriel like Peter Gabriel era Genesis or his early solo records um, I definitely was into his early solo records Yeah, you know what though with
0: that band uh, you know a lot of it for me pretty corny right I'm 13 years old in 1970 so I know a little bit about this time and uh <laughs> But he made an opera, a double album with these guys called The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know it well now. It's pretty pretty good. Oh, yeah. I had the eight track. I had the eight track, but it's about a a young Puerto Rican kid who's looking for his brother and he finds out it's him. (laughs) I guess he cuts his dick off and shit, all this stuff he has to go through to find out his brother is actually him yeah I don't know if the lyrics hung, hung together all that well on that double but <laughs> well, you know I, I heard a story was because this is the end of the band right they're going he's going to leave the band he won't record yeah. with them, so they do all the music then he comes and brings in the words and they said they he put the words all the places where they wanted just music <laughs> and they wanted the word words you know he 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 was uh, contrary to what they oh, yeah. their, their vision. But what happens, they, 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 their second drummer sings just like him. So, <laughs> isn't that funny? Yeah,
2: that's that yeah, no, and, and what's the, the album right before that, too? That's come up. I mean, again, I, I discovered that stuff later, you know? and um,
0: Well, that I, had a little think, opera, right? The musical box or some shit? Yeah.
2: Foxtrot,
0: Foxtrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... D. Boom's What's brother fun, Joe Boom was really heavily, in, I, you know. But I did like Lamb Lives Down on Proper. I don't know. They're selling England. Was it selling England? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's something. what it was. Yeah, get yeah. yeah, out by Friday. And, I think,
2: that, and I, I think the thing maybe that um, people are hearing. I'm guessing, but what I associate more with the, I don't know, just my personal taste with maybe some of the Britpop was. I, I tend to like sections to tunes. I, I, I definitely pretty intentionally move away sometimes from the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Formula. I, 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 like, I like section. I like a song feeling like it's moving or just maybe one part that unravels a little bit. And so that section thing happens in, I guess, what would be conventionally called prog rock, but there's also a lot of noodling in prog rock. And I I, I don't, I mean, I don't noodle, really. So. <laughs> no. um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and if you if you listen to that, you know that late '70s stuff I was referencing early '80s, I was always struck. And again, I was pretty impressionable at this point, so I'm like 13, 14, 15, listening just by how. And I guess this maybe is where the piano background came in. Like how interesting the chord progressions were. Like they they just did some sort of crazy stuff. Andy Partridge with with XTC, and uh, I wasn't even paying attention to lyrics. I mean, I couldn't tell you a single lyric for, I mean, these bands I liked it was really just about the movement of the progressions and the melodies that did it for me, I think.
0: A lot uh, uh-huh. departure from blues I think they were trying to do with Prague because they felt a little guilty because those Stones and Yardbirds Yeah, sh- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You That's know right. what I mean? And say, hey, we got roots too, but they're like uh, Beethoven and Rock <laughs> and stuff, right? And so they went <laughs> overboard that, that way a little bit Yeah, yeah uh, you know, music's an interesting thing. It's a, it's a dialogue. It's a dynamic thing. And uh, so what if it gets compromised and mixes in with stuff? I I, I have no problem with it. It's
2: a uh, and and I I love you
0: know just bumping and, into in stuff. In fact, I mean, it, it's an insight for me mentioned. to hear you uh, relate these. I don't really hear this in your music so much. I I hear you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that's my hope, right? I mean, I can kind of I can kind of say what I listen to, but maybe part of that is going back to the early memory i mean even you know now i my whole life i feel like each week i'm listening to new music i'm excited to hear new stuff and so maybe nothing got in there so like so uniquely that it shaped everything you know sure sure um which i guess is a good thing i mean i told you you know via email when i was college was much like when i was sitting at the kitchen table i would go into this uh a uh, place called warehouse records. I still remember it uh, you yeah, know, in, in Ann Arbor. And I remember getting, that's when I got introduced to the Minutemen. So here I am years later, someone knowing I'm into music saying, have you checked this out? Cause I knew nothing about just that, you know, sort of a range of music that had happened obviously before I got to high school or college. And, um, I don't know i found it, it was fascinating, it just felt like I kept learning kept getting ex- exposed to new stuff, and the stuff was different enough, I think again that it didn't lend itself to me and up hopefully me ending up sounding like
0: x, y or z, which that's good news sure, I guess sure you know if uh for example you 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 want to eat some corn, but you need some manure to grow that corn you don't really want the corn tasting like manure, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Look, we're at the end of the first hour of March 7, 2019, edition of Watt Pedro Show. Special guest called, Hold tight for hour two. March 7, 2019, it's the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
1: Come on down, off the sofa. Take your best guess and kind of egress. Give them a moment to hide. Did you get close enough? If you get close enough, are you gonna take? Are you gonna take another one?
6: than I am this way before There's birth in the blink of an eye i uh, never been more me than I am way before she
1: will come. Wipes away the stench that's on you
0: Not for Peter, so start off the second hour with Wolf. I am casting his new piece and Bob Pollard. See, I told you to get stilted, you have to say these motherfucking things more and more with Zeppelin over China. He's got you beat by 100 records, right? 102 records. Yeah, yeah, do like yeah, I to, like, get to say that again? Yeah, I get to do that again. Yeah, the horizon <laughs> arisen out of okay city, Holly with Spain, and Josh Hayden, Charlie Hayden's uh, son. <laughs> and Tom McDonough's with very difficult title to say what will be will what you know. and then finally Clay I am cast and the question I'm putting forth to you is regarding Carnival Barkers what you were hinting at earlier that getting a couple pieces into this thing it was going to require a big ten it wasn't going to fit in one song yeah
2: so um, by the time I got I starting to write lyrics which is a little bit late in the game for me usually I got some idea where the music's going For at least a, a few of the tunes um, I, I wrote I think one of the tunes You know, one of the tunes already played Flood yeah. it was th- I believe that was the first one I put lyrics to And it was uh, spring 2016 So the whole uh, Primary process Was unfolding with the Republican primaries uh, uh, Trump was Heading the pack at the time And um, there were You know, comments about Uh, you know sort of again to paraphrase you know uh, Mexican rapists etc and uh, felt to me like a lot of a lot of fear-mongering and really uh, trying to you know almost make group differences more more salient to people and then uh, have have people view the other so to speak as threat right as threatening to them and um, so playing playing that up it seemed to me for political gain or for you know, so for power, um, and and so flood was really about that. And as that s- political stuff was playing out, it just seemed to me that um, there was a lot that I could get at in terms of the psychology of the political scene. And you know, I know it was really written during a very specific time, but it's probably relevant just generally some of the stuff I was trying to write about in terms of the exploitation of people's fears and group differences. And, uh, I started writing a few tunes. So, so I knew that was the tent. The tent was going to be the psychology of, or kind of various angles. I would, I would, I would try to, um, uh, you know, take uh, on what was happening. So a few tunes were about powerlessness. So people impacted by those uh, in power. So a song called helpless, which is on the new, uh, new album, um, uh, would be would be one of those. There's a tune called Muggers, same kind of thing that's getting at. So, trying to approach the idea of of really malignant persuasion, and and how it played out uh, a little bit from the perspective of those doing the persuading, and a little bit from the perspective of those who were maybe getting screwed over.
0: And what, what I'm thinking is these these this issues are these issues. They're so nuanced you couldn't get it in one tune. You couldn't get it in one verse, one chorus. <laughs> oh no.
2: Yeah. And so like I didn't even mention, for example, one of the major things going through it is kind of almost a Pied Piper tale that I try to weave through it, you know, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. So like the opening tune, Charmer, yeah. Wolf. Uh these tunes are really just sort of about, you know, this this notion of being drawn by by a a, a sort of well, Pied Piper, you know, someone selling something, or someone trying to uh, maybe get you to buy into something tied to a monetary or other reward for them, or for revenge or spite. I mean, that's an in initial Pied Piper tale. He doesn't get paid, so that's for right. spite, he suckers the kids into it. You know, it pulls them into. Okay, so you know, what are the motives behind someone's persuasive efforts, so to speak? And that's you know, so the charmers, the snake charmer kind of thing, wolf. There's a sort of, you know, I think they'll, they'll, that opens with come uh, you heard Bob come on down, sort of a reference to the Bob Barker, almost like, again, Carnival Barker, sure. Let's this guy as a as a as a talk show
0: host. You know what I mean? Sure. Kind of jive. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, right. We're going to play Anchored here from the piece.
1: sight, but anchored to the day, disarm the plow, drag the lake, hide what's found, it's safe if you know what to shove. Enough to wash it down Mud and dust And rust No watering can That's all he will find there You want it fair Steal the plow Siphon the lake Can't swim anyhow They figure they're better off taking the dare and lying, faking it for the smiling goons. Flattered when they thank you, soon. Wound way through hip cafes and find the shards of your younger days. Keep your head up in case someone thought poison the low hanging fruit.
7: Nobody's baby
8: I'll be 10% happy You better find me a place to hide Because I'm 10% happy i
0: For Pedro's show, um, you, we just heard "Helpless." From I am casting right. Yeah, there we go. The there piece, we go. Right. right just what off air co was enlightening me uh, and more depth to what he's discussing with you people. Uh, before that, "Remorse Code" with co- Cover City Patrick Grant ahead of that with the sound of burning chairs. Uh, crushed by pimps out of South London with ten percent happy. Before that, from the Netherlands, graph with the. Luida Shunanen. Tav Falco, he's got a new record. And uh, Nobody's Baby. Love Tav. Uh, code Hangers ahead of that. They they were on the show last week. They came my prac back. Getting mad and pumping iron. Uh, awkward before the, That's Devin Hoffman. K. Black Flag. With the two bass only parage. Uh, two called Bass Wars. <laughs> And we start all off with Anchored. I am cast. You know, Anchored, kind of like a counterpoint to all this, you know, floating around and being played on and played out. How how, how far along was Anchored in the process? I'm trying to remember. I was clearly also messing around with the titles, you know, Flood,
2: Anchored. I had all these one word titles, sort of referencing
0: each other as i went along well, um, well let me ask you about the process were those one word so they're like working titles i um so
2: the working titles were probably just you know uh one, <laughs> as two. generic as as generic as whatever the first word i thought of or the first word of the first lyric so okay. i kind of intentionally came back to those titles later okay um yeah so
0: uh, no, because there's people the, like me who have to like kind of start with the title, or I got no fucking focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would, I, I would usually
2: find a phrase, you know, that would would kind of feel meaningful to me, and and be about the topic I wanted the tune to, to really focus on, whatever that particular angle or perspective was for that song, and then I would build out from that. So the first line actually it would be strange for the first line to be the first line of the tune for me um, it, it, it might be a, a line that does you know ends up in the second verse somewhere or in the bridge or whatever yeah with the um, tradition
0: it, it's usually the chorus right
2: yeah and that and that that I'm trying to think
0: um, yeah I don't think I remember the first kill and uh, joke uh, first kill joke album there's like eight songs and every title is what they sing in the chorus <laughs> Yeah, war dance. Well, that's the name. For sure, yes, exactly. (laughs) Right, requiem, requiem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there is one instrumental. They don't say the title. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So, was there a point where you thought, I can't just be writing one song after another? I'm going to have to like storyboard this out. Uh.
2: Sort of. I didn't. I, I didn't get that. Um, maybe I should have gotten that involved. But I think what I did was I realized I, I had enough about any particular thing, like whether it was this idea of powerlessness. I thought I could come at it at least two or three ways, and I knew I wanted to. I knew I wanted that Pied Piper. Sort of thing to show up a few times during the album, so I knew I needed at least a few tunes <laughs> so it could carry itself through right, so yeah. right there you got five or six songs um, I knew i, I didn 't want flood to stand alone in terms of its it, it kind of getting at this this group differences way in which that 's played on for political purpose, so I wrote window, you know, so there definitely was a way in which I had this idea that I wanted a few tunes touching on. On a few main kind of core themes, and it didn't work out exactly like you know three 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 whatever, but it is more or less you know like that. That there's usually a partner song, or it's a group, it's in a it's in a triad of tunes. At least for me, I don't expect, frankly, ninety nine point nine percent of people who hear this to have any clue that's happening. <laughs> but for me, it helped as I structured
0: the album. Well, like John Coltrane, he spells out the prayer, right? Love supreme. <laughs> Some dude found yeah. that, you know, but can you imagine stumbling onto that? <laughs> but, you know, and also, like he says, Love Supreme 19 times. Why 19? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think yeah. it's okay that some things are internal, and maybe it will take a buttload of years. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because I, th- I think there has to be some kind of integrities. And just because uh, something has integrity on in the personal world doesn't mean... It's it's uh, un- understandable, maybe. Yeah, and also, Mike, to
2: get away, well, even at the very here and now, sort of like what's going on with this album. I mean, how many, how many, um, how many people are giving it the listen you're giving it, or t- you know, really kind of thinking about it as an album this way, or even even actively listening to full albums. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, right? Even in <laughs> the in even in the indie world I'm in now, right? I mean, it's not. It's, it's Spotify singles, right? I mean, it's 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 not the album. So I think you know, there's a lot of stuff also working against there being some sort of uh, understanding uh, more broadly, like you're talking about beyond the artist or the you know the person writing it, knowing it. Unless again, they you know end up on your show and they get an opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> really, that's,
0: that's really it. <laughs> well, that's that's part of my debt to the movement. Is- <laughs> bringing cats on like you that I find really interested in. Notice I play all the parts of this whole piece because I think that's how to, to understand. I mean, I, I, the tunes stand on their own, but together, man, it makes a big work. And that's why, man, I'm very grateful for Howard. Look right at the end of the second yeah, hour, on uh, March seven, two thousand nineteen edition, Peter Show Special Guest Colgar. Hold tight, hour three. March seventh, two thousand nineteen, it's the third hour of the Walk for Pedro show.
1: Struggle breathing, a sense of coming unglued, a bit of the sense that they'd lost, that they worked hard. Find a
9: Grinning with the well-placed way
0: we're start off the third hour with uh, I Am casting co-piece uh, of Carmel Barker's Almost uh, You want to say something about Almost? Um, that one's got almost no
2: lyrics so that that one kind of is a bit unique in, in the mix of tunes on the album has a has a sax solo in there a guy named Tim yeah. Smith from this area I don't know um, I I uh, it's sort of a fleeting moment. That's probably the tune on the album that is least explicitly tied to these themes we're talking about. It's kind of, kind of an, the point I was getting at was more, you know, this, this this sort of failed connection, this inability to connect to one another, but through the lens of this, I don't know how many, whether 20 words in this song or something, you know, just. Yeah, but it has um, a lot of relatable, relatable.
0: There's a lot of relatable, feel in the I'm rhythm, sorry. though. There's a lot of feel in the harmonies, in the delivery. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when John Coltrane yeah. uh, did that song Alabama, I mean, there's not one word spoken, and there's a heaviness you can feel.
2: Yeah, and that, so so I was I was gonna say you know we've been talking about lyrics, but for me a lot of some of the not only connective tissue in the record in terms of connecting the, the songs tonally, but but also just uh, frankly what's most important to me often when I'm writing is, is the music more than the lyric, to be honest, even though it's easier to talk about the lyrics and it's, um, I feel good. I feel pretty solid about these lyrics. I mean, really, if, if, if I don't feel good about the music underlying a lyric, I'll just toss the whole thing. I I don't, I don't care enough about the lyric to keep it if it's not working for the music.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you can be wrong. I remember (laughs) when I was a boy, right? Excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> right, it doesn't matter. Exactly right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, the bathroom's on the right. You know, no, it's bad moon's rising. You know. <laughs> oh, you whoops. Know, yeah, okay, <laughs> fuck that up. <laughs> okay, we heard Zero Dent. They were on the show last week with the True Perfection National Dent with Hey Art Blakey. Nels Klein with Henry Kaiser doing Harmony Jam. Midwestern Medicine. (laughs) They're actually from Maine. (laughs) Portland, Maine. Uh, With uh, Idiot Allies. And finally, Lullaby by I Am Casting. Very emotional Uh, tune there. Uh, And 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 I'm going to play here the Muggers. You were talking about this earlier. uh, This was one of the early uh, themes yeah sort of this powerlessness it it pairs with that tune helpless right 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 let's listen
1: open eyes, we're dreaming Lean back, talk fast
0: Watch for Pedro show. You know, I'm, I'm sure uh, Dante was like that with his uh, comedia, you know. <laughs> uh, well, last music for the show. Muggers, I am casted. Uh, the details within back, the details from uh, Romania. I know not a Romanian name, but they're from there. Colgar, uh, this is before, uh, from Scars and Nice Hocus Pocus.
2: Yeah.
7: Yeah.
0: So an earlier incarnation. Uh, that's
2: her- much more yeah that's you know kind of uh, more guitar driven <laughs> sure sure uh, yeah tune Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: glad you floated to me so we it, it gives some perspective on the new and uh, then groove creator uh, groove crater method that's a uh, brother Phil he's up there in Big Bear a lot of snow jump into the fire Harry Nelson tune I love that. that that's Herbie Flowers on the bass in the real you know, version original version I, should say. I am casting finally with Seams and that's, uh, not, it's with the A, people, so it's like uh, something you sew. It's not, uh, yeah, an adjective. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I was talking off air with Cole about how he did this, you know, what was the process, and it was mainly a man alone, all the way from the production uh most of the instruments. Tell us. Yeah, um, so when I, I got back after a few, really
2: a number of years not, not writing, and, uh, way I got back in, it was just, I was really interested in, in the recording process itself and tracking. And I, I I hadn't done really anything with that. Scarves and Knives have been really tracked in a New York studio with a bunch of musicians and kind of finished up in North Carolina. And this time around, I just I bought some software, you know, recording software and a MIDI and, you know, sort of ability to <clears throat> be able to play both my real instruments and also virtual stuff and just started messing around. And Um, it ended up that's, that's when I started writing, uh, flood the first couple tunes. And I was just liking it just in a spare bedroom, uh, uh, doing my own thing, playing, you know, keys and, uh, guitars and bass. And then what I found was that though I am friends with, and really love some of the local drummers around here, uh, that when I was, laying down my own drum tracks, kind of like, you know, hand-driven me on MIDI pads kind of thing that I, I, they're kind of unusual drum parts, but they really shape the the tunes themselves. I found that I would, I would, I would come up with something, a percussion part, and it would lead me to end up changing what I was doing with my melody or the feel of the song generally. And I, and I liked it enough that I just decided all right, I'm not a drummer, obviously, but I think i it's important enough to me in terms of what it's doing for the feel of the song that I'm going to keep coming up with these percussion parts and then do the rest as well. So it just kind of took off from there. So there's a, there's a drummer playing on two tunes. I think the last tune of mine you just played there called Seams yeah. that has a, a, has a drummer named Stephen Kaufman on there. Uh, he's playing one other tune. And there's a bassist playing on Seams as well, Pete Kimosh. Um. And then a couple horn players, but other than that, it's it's for better or for worse. It's me on uh, playing everything on the record.
0: So these percussion ideas, how would you relate them to the drummer man? Um, well, it's, <laughs> so uh,
2: well first. Because I kept of the eleven tunes on the record, nine of them are just it, I kept it as me, so I didn't have to relate it to anybody else. I just played it, and that's what what you end up hearing on on the uh, album is me doing it. Um, the the two that he uh, that I had Stephen involved in are probably the most I would say for drum parts. You know, are more more conventional drum parts. I mean, they're not okay. they're not um, kind of rhythmically changing a lot to to impact the structure of the song that's where i would have trouble and i have had trouble in terms of the live thing trying to um figure out what to do percussion wise um and when drummers uh, so the guy who mixed it ian schreier is a drummer yeah. himself and steven uh when he was playing these two tunes i showed him a couple others and it was funny before i showed it to him i was like i, I, I have this third tune i want you to 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 look at. It's called Clay and I think it benefited from a real a real drum versus my hands and all the stuff I'm doing through MIDI. And um he said, no problem. It'll take me like I said, do you want me to send you like a chart or something? You want me to chart it? He's like, ah, I'll it'll take me five minutes, Cole, don't worry. Um and uh and the day before we're supposed to record, he calls me and he says, uh Cole, i like, am I kid you not he said, I'm five hours in, I, I haven't finished charting it. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so so it ended up that I kept what I did for clay, even though I wanted a real kind of real drum kit sound, and I had to really goof around in the mixing to get that yeah um i it's so bizarre, I mean, like the percussionists I know will listen and be like it's clear that a drummer did not write these parts, you know what I mean <laughs> um so so yeah i I, I it's definitely. A unique component of the record, and, yeah. and and I like that I did it. Um, I don't know if I'll do that again. It was pretty intensive, but
0: <laughs> uh, but I love doing it this time. Well, this brings up another thing. You going to bring this to the people live? So
2: so I'm at this. So partly because I'm struggling with that. I, right now, my so I'm going to do a couple things locally. So in the Triangle, you know, Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh area. Sure, but unlike previously, when I would tour both solo and with the band. Yeah for Scarves and Knives and for stuff I did before that. yeah. I'm actually gonna put out, I hope in the next year, another record. So I'm about four or five tunes into a new record.
10: Okay.
2: Uh, this one you're playing came out only a week ago. I mean, yeah. but, um, and my hope is at that point I'll have this body of like two records of really recent stuff. And, and, I, and that's the thing I wanna take on the road. Okay. Um, I feel like I got super behind and missed the number of years writing. And I feel like if I go on the road, not only will I you know, just lose more money and I have a day job and all that stuff, um, I'll just lose time writing more. I'd rather get another album out and then tour at this point. Uh, and hopefully through the records, people figure out who I am and have an interest in coming to see me live versus the other way around. Um,
0: and, uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Well, you know what Orson Welles said, no wine before it's time. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? If you don't feel it's ready to go out, and I know what you mean. This was like get back yeah. in the boat record, and you weren't even really thinking about doing gigs. This was just getting back in the boat. Exactly so right. Now, now you're exactly. thinking about, yeah, now I want to put together a gig. Because, yeah, I got my sea legs back. <laughs> right? It's, it's exactly right. Okay. I love what you're doing, man, and I want you to keep on keeping on. Truly cool. It's a big honor to have you on the show, truly. And what you did here, a lot of balls, man. You know, <laughs> but you let the freak flag fly, and you weren't afraid. Well, maybe you were afraid, but you just put it out there anyway. I love it. I love it, man. Mike, it was a this. privilege
2: to be on the show. Thank you. And like you
0: were saying before, music is music. That genre stuff is stupid. Where can people find you on the you. Internet?
2: Uh, my, my website is I Am Casting Music com. So I am casting music all one string, bunch of links from there to uh, you know all your streaming I'm, services. By no, band but I'm camp. glad you, you have st- your
0: own website. It's like everybody having their own fanzine. I a m c a s t i n g m u s i c dot com. People, check out Cole. Uh, he's he's on a mission, and I, <laughs> I want him to keep pushing. It's beautiful. People, it's been the March seventh, two thousand nineteen edition of Show Special. Yes, Cole Greer, keep your powder dry.